You are welcome to Face to Face broadcast. Enjoy the dynamic teaching ministry of Pastor Tibby Peters, the president of Renaissance Assembly Incorporated. This message will take you from where you are to where you ought to be. I believe strongly that beyond the words you will hear that there will be deposits tangible deposits in our lives it is not a healing meeting but the sick will be healed there will be revelations and manifestations of Christ in our midst he is showing himself alive by many infallible proofs in our day I am happy for you that you are here tonight amen the Bible told us about Jesus it says people came to hear and to be healed hear and to be healed it means that there was something in what Jesus was saying and as they heard they were healed that means there are those that he didn't touch but because they heard their lives were impacted today you will hear and you'll be transformed the ministry of Jesus continued in the life of Peter Peter went to the house of Cornelius the Bible says while Peter was while Peter yet speak as King James would say while he was speaking the, the spirit of God fell on all of them that heard today the spirit of God will come upon you as you hear glory to God look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor here, here, here the Holy Ghost was saying he said he that has ears let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Thank God you have ears and you can hear. The seeing eye and the hearing ear is a gift from God. Some look, but they don't see. Some listen, but they don't hear. The ability to see, not just look, is a blessing. My prayer today is that you will see. And that you will not just listen, you will hear. Amen. Glory to Jesus. We have quite a lot of grounds to cover, but um, we'll just go as far as we can go and stop. You know, the moment I came in here, I just sense strongly that destinies are going to be shaped. Amen. Amen. In ways that people have never imagined. Glory to God. All that pertains to life and godliness has been given to us. We're not trying to get something. We're trying to know what we have. Amen. Are you getting the picture? We already have it. But through the knowledge of God's word, 
we're beginning to recognize what we have. The prayer of Paul in the writing, the book of Philemon, verse 6, just one chapter of Philemon, he said that you acknowledge every good thing, hallelujah, which is in you, in Christ Jesus. So today, tomorrow, the day after, you will acknowledge. That means that you will come to a place where you will have precise knowledge about what Jesus has done for you and how to function in it. No guesswork. Amen. I said no guesswork. Glory to God. No guesswork. Whatever it is you're doing, you're sure. Last Friday, I was in Sweden and I was teaching something very simple. And um, you had quite a number of folks, there are people that have been in our meetings, so they were there, but there were people that had never been to any of our meetings. And they were just moping because the things they were hearing maybe were strange to them. And when something is strange, there's a tendency for someone to begin to question whether it is true. Are you understanding me? So I sensed in my heart that at that point, what they needed was proof. Amen. Never say proof. So in the course of the teaching, I just paused and I said, well, what I'm saying is scripture. is the gospel. is the truth. And um, the easiest way we can demonstrate it is that the same things that Jesus did in Bible days, he would do today. Amen. So I asked for anyone that was sick. Two folks, two people stood up. Uh, those are the ones that stood up immediately. And I said something that maybe someone knows about or something that you can immediately know if you are well. And the two of them came. And the scripture I was explaining was Mark 16. The scripture said, you shall lay hands on the sick. Amen. And the sick will recover. And I said, God was not missing words in that scripture. He didn't mean something else. He was not saying you shall pray and fast for the sick and the sick will be healed. He said, you shall lay hands. God in other scriptures talked about prayer so he knows prayer amen but in this particular scripture the scripture said lay hands on the sick he didn't say pray for the sick he said lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover <laughs> so they were looking at me so I said now these folks I'm not going to lay hands I'm not going to pray for them I'm going to just do what the scripture said and there was this lady from um, Gambia. A big lady. She came, she had pains. And we asked how long it had been. She said, told me how long. So I said, okay. So I'm going to just lay hands on you. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to lay hands on you. Just as the Bible says. If the Bible is true, it will happen. If it's not true, it won't happen. Amen. And everybody was watching. And then when I touched her, 
the speed at which the pain left. She shouted. She ran back. She ran. <laughs> ran away from me. <laughs> and she was like, so shocked. Then people started listening like, So today I want you to listen like that. Say amen. So I told a story. Because I won't be able to go into the because. Because it's another message on its own. Just know that I told them a story. And the story was about a professor. No, actually, a, uh, sorry, mistake. A, a businessman, a millionaire businessman that went to train a group of students that were doing their MBA, business management and all that, uh, masters in business administration. And so while he was talking about money and how to make money and how to be rich, one of the students lifted his hands and said, sir, I don't agree with what you just said said, why? He said, because my professor said otherwise. And you are not a professor. So I don't agree with what you said. So the millionaire was very calm. He just asked the question. He said, is your professor a millionaire? The student said, no. Are you a millionaire? He said, no. Sit down. Let me teach you to be a millionaire. Amen. So I said it to them in Sweden. I said, how many of you here cast out devils? How many of you here lay hands on the sick and they recover instantly? How many of you throw fireballs and people cannot stand on their feet? Sit down and listen to me. So tonight, please sit down and listen to me. Amen. I'm just giving them time to get the sound right. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Let's go. Tap your neighbor and say, let's go. Glory to God. While I'm speaking, fire will be born in your hearts. While I'm speaking, healings will be taking place. While I'm speaking, the Spirit of God will come upon you. There are situations you left at home, the Holy Ghost will address them before you arrive. There are situations in your village, the Holy Ghost will address them before you arrive. Glory to God. Are we together? So recognize that. Recognize that. You know, I just feel like sharing more testimonies. There was a lady that came for the meeting. She came with uh, a Nigerian footballer. I met quite a number of Nigerian footballers that play, uh, or had played for Super Eagles. And so she came one of those footballers. And that particular footballer had been in my meetings. This is like the third time he had been in my meeting in Sweden. So um, whenever I'm around, he's in the meetings. So in this meeting, he came with a lady. He is a Nigerian. She's Swedish. So I saw when they walked in and sat down. I know him, but I don't know her. But I was ministering. Then I started, words started coming for some people. And uh, they were sitting to my left. So as I looked at her, I saw that the Spirit of God had a word for her. And I started walking close to her. Now, what I didn't know was that he 
tried to convince her to come for the meeting. And she didn't want to have anything to do with church. She really doesn't think. She really believes in those things. You know, some people might not be atheist, but they might be agnostic. You understand that? So maybe she falls in that category. So she said, um, the only problem I have is that, you know, when we go for those kind of meetings, they lay hands on people, they touch people, they put, I don't want anybody to put their hand on my body or touch me. I don't want that. And he assured her that nobody is going to touch her <laughs> like he knows. You understand? So, they came for the meeting. So when I said, hey, hello, I pointed at her. And I said, coming close to her. She was like, it is what I said. He's coming for me now. <laughs> you know? You know? But when I got close to her, by the Spirit of God, I stood in front of her and I put my right hand out and I said, put your hand here. And she put her hand in my palm. And then I started speaking words over her life. Then I left. She turned to him and said, this is a real man of God. Why? He said, how did he know that I didn't want him to touch me? And then she said, now I want to know about God. I had already returned and he sent me a message. The, the young man sent me a message. She didn't know I had left Sweden. So she was asking. She, want, they, she wanted to invite me to host me in, their, in her home. And um, he told her I had left. So she said, when next you're coming, I want to host you. This is someone that doesn't believe in the things of God. Amen. The Holy Spirit will make Jesus real to you. What happened to her is that Jesus became real to her. Are we together? He became real to her. It was no more a story she's hearing about from a distance. Jesus has become real to her. Tap your neighbor and say, Jesus is alive. Amen. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth. His role is to make Jesus real to you. My prayer today is that as we speak, Jesus will become real to you. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for utterance that you've given me. Thank you for revelation. Thank you for manifestations of the Spirit. Today, take us where you want us to be. Let every heart be filled with your word, with your presence. No sickness can stand my voice. No situation will remain the same. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people. Let the people. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory. Great things. Great things.
things he has done. Praise the Lord again, everyone. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people the Son and give Him the glory great things He has done Leshika patala shatelia Rekunda hashka pratiske Linga hashka pratondo liske Rakatei palasha tiyalabasha we give you praise. Hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the are taking place healings are taking place someone with something like sinusitis there's a blockage on the upper part of your nostril you're being healed by the power of God is free free in the name of Jesus There's like pressure on the upper path of your nostril. Closer to your face. It's free. You're being healed by the power of God. You're being healed by the power of God. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. I see someone with pain on the backside of your thigh. The power of God is upon you. You're being healed now in the name of Jesus. That tightness loses up now in the name of Jesus. Healings are taking place. Healings are taking place. That peppery sensation in the eyes, it clears out now. It's always looking like there's some kind of like salt or pepper, something that hurts your eyes. You're being healed in the name of Jesus. The power of God is here. Healings are taking place. Great things He has done. <laughs> we give you praise. We give you glory. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. He is for all. 
I command that ear to be free. I command that ear to be free. In the name of Jesus. I command that ear to be free. Now, in the name of Jesus. La hashka plata, le monto pregedi, capatea, la shata la bande, ecletoso pregedi. Every pain, and give him the glory. Every pain, I curse that pain. You have no place in that body. Lose your grip now. Lose your grip now. In the name of Jesus. I speak healing to your body from the crown of your head if you walked in here with any sickness with any infirmity any disease receive your healing now receive your healing thank you Holy Spirit of God there's someone anytime you try to pass out physics you have difficulty it's been on for some weeks you're being healed by the power of God in the name of Jesus. Receive your healing. Receive your healing. Thank you, Father. Wow, glory to God. Healings are taking place. Thank you, Lord Jesus. What The ones I'm calling are just a few outstanding ones, but healings are taking place. God is touching your body. Place your hand on that part of your body that you are believing God for a healing. In the name of Jesus, I speak to blood pressure to return to normal. I cause sugar diabetes. In the name of Jesus. Pass out of that body in Jesus' name. Irregular heartbeats. Someone here been having irregular heartbeats. Sometimes you just stay and then your heart just like palpitates in a certain way just moves a little faster than normal and you've been concerned about it the power of God is upon you as I speak you're being healed in the name of Jesus we give you praise we give you glory oh glory to God when the presence of God the manifest presence shows up the Bible says there is fullness of joy and pleasures. That means as we're here, your expectations are being met. Be met. Your case doesn't have to be called specifically. Receive like you're the only one in this room. Receive like you're the only one in this room. I stand, I stand in awe of you. 
Holy Spirit of God wherever you are standing the Spirit of God is on your matter is on your matter is on your matter I see the mighty hand of God showing up for you the arm of the Lord has been revealed in that matter in that situation sir I've never met you but there's a turnaround the turnaround is a turnaround. I sense a new direction of the Spirit for you. God is carving a new path. You've never walked on that path. There's a new path. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to be worried about. Oh Lord, I give you praise. This is an appointment with destiny. Suddenly, everything is in league with you. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh his enemies to be at peace with him. Something has turned. Amen. And that which was against you is now for you. 
appointment with destiny. That's what I hear strongly. Appointment with destiny. Appointment with destiny. I see a new garment. Sir, lift your hands. You. A clothing. A new garment on you. It's like they took off what you were wearing before and put a new clothing on you. I don't know what that means to you, but the Spirit of God is clothing you afresh. It's a new identity. Thank Him. We give you praise. We give you glory. Thank you, Spirit of God. I see someone walking and dashing their foot or their feet against stones. And then the Lord is saying, He has cleared the path for you. No more will you dash your foot or feet against the stone. You're no more walking in darkness. You're no more stumbling. His word has come. It's a lamp now to your feet and a light to your paths. Thank you, Father. I stand. I stand. If you can sit down, please sit. In of God rest upon you from the crown of your head to the sole of your feet in the name of Jesus Christ may your heart desires be met speedily in the name of Jesus I pray that this weekend that your expectations will be exceeded I speak to your cup to run over. Receive a running over. Receive a running over. Receive a running over. Amen. In the name of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. I appreciate the music team. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein you stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, 
unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Hallelujah. In these three days, I like to narrow my teaching using these verses of scripture as my text. Paul was speaking. And he said from verse 1, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. The gospel I preached unto you. Which also you have received. It is also in this gospel that you stand. Then in verse 3, he said, I delivered unto you first of all, not secondly, first of all. That means that was the first thing I did. That which I also received. What did he receive? How Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's what he received. So that's what he gave first of all. In the writings of Paul, you find that in the same first Corinthians earlier, he had told them, he said, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God. He said, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, for the purpose of this particular meeting, today, tomorrow, and the day after, I'm going to be focusing on three things. Actually, one thing in three ways. Amen. Last time, I was talking along these scriptures, and I explained that we must know what the components of the gospel of Christ are. What makes up the gospel of Christ and we pointed out a few things. We talked about the fact that Christ died. We talked about the fact that he died for our sins. We talked about the fact that he was buried. We talked about the fact that he rose again. Then the fifth one is that it was according to the scriptures. If you miss out any portion of these components, you don't have the complete gospel. You know, if you take a coin, a coin has two parts. Two sides, rather. Okay? If you use another hard metal and scrape off one side, it is no more legal tender. Are you understanding me? What makes it money is that the two sides are intact. In the same way, the gospel is intact when these components are there. Hallelujah. If you take one out, something will be missing. So Paul was saying, the gospel which I preach unto you. That's what I've come to declare. And he was explaining what it was. 
Generally, we always talk about the death, burial, and resurrection. Tap your neighbor, say the death, burial, and resurrection. Say it again, the death, burial, and resurrection. Sometimes we look at it as one thing, true. But in these three days, I'm going to be looking at them separately. Today we're going to talk about the significance of his death. Tomorrow we'll talk about the significance of his burial. And on Sunday we'll talk about the significance of his resurrection. They all accomplish accomplish separate things even if they're all related. But you know sometimes because we're talking generally, we always speak of them like they're together. Yes, they are. But there's something specific the death Jesus of Jesus did. There's something specific the burial of Jesus did. There's something specific the resurrection of Jesus did for us. Redemption became complete because of his death, burial, and resurrection. Hallelujah. So in this scripture here, he said, Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again. So we're going to focus on his death this evening. I've seen that we might not cover all of the grounds, but we'll just run along and uh, mention them and then if God will permit us in another service to look at them one after the other, then we'll have the opportunity to do so. Glory to God. Tap your number say Christ died. Say it again, Christ died. Alright? There are significant things that the death wrought for us. And I tried to just classify them in seven, hallelujah. There are seven significant things about the death of Jesus Christ. In essence, I'm saying that the death of Jesus means these seven things. You know, let me explain why I'm, I'm going this way. You know, the reason why a lot of people, when you tell them about the gospel, they feel like, oh, uh-huh, Jesus died, so what is there? If you don't know what is there, then your life will not be miraculous. Amen. If you don't know what is there, then there will, not, there will be nothing supernatural about your life. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? That gospel is the power. So you need to ask, what is the power in it? Glory to God. That means I need to give attention to what the gospel is. There are a lot of folks that go around church, carry religious, carry out religious activities, and the Bible says they have a form of godliness denying the power. Why is the power absent? Because the understanding of the significance of his death, his burial and resurrection is missing. Listen, what makes your life experience power is that that death of Jesus, you know what it means. Am I communicating? You know, if someone is giving a gun and you don't know what a gun is, if people are running, you will, you will hold the gun in your hand and run with them. Are you understanding me? So, maybe some folks came to attack them and they are all running. They are running because they are not armed. But you are armed and you are also running. Why are you running? Because you are armed, but you don't know what you are armed with. 
Am I communicating? So a lot of God's children don't know what they've been armed with. They don't know they've been armed with that death of Jesus. They don't know they've been armed with the burial of Jesus. Amen. They don't know they've been armed by the resurrection of Jesus. So it's not just a story. Many people died the time Jesus died. What makes the death of Jesus more significant? Hallelujah. Many people died. Before Jesus, people were dying. When Jesus was there, people were dying. After that, people are still dying to date. So, what was it about the death of Jesus? Paul was talking to the Galatian church. <laughs> if a pastor came today and told the church, oh foolish church, it would get in the newspaper. But Paul said in Galatians 3.1, he said, oh foolish Galatians, who had bewitched you? Amen. That you should not obey the truth. Before whose eyes? Hallelujah. You know, he was trying to explain, you know, the King James Version doesn't really give a clear picture of what he was talking about in Galatians 3.1. What he was talking about is what we want to achieve in this meeting. Amen. He said, before whose eyes Jesus Christ had been evidently set forth, crucified among you. That means that Paul had taken time to etch on their souls. Amen. The sacrifice like they were there. Amen. Are you understanding me? It's like he has, he has so taught them that it looks like they were actually there when Jesus died. They were actually there when he was buried and he rose again. So he said, this death, this burial, this resurrection was evidently set forth, hallelujah, before you. Um, let's just look at the Amplified of Galatians 3.1, um, if it will help me. There are other translations, but let's just look at, there's a word I'm looking for. Oh, you poor and silly and thoughtless and unreflecting and senseless Galatians. Since I started ministry, I've never abused anybody like this. But I'm learning. He said, who has fascinated or bewitched or cast a spell over you? Unto whom right before your very eyes, Jesus Christ the Messiah was openly and graphically set forth and portrayed as crucified. It was like I painted the picture on your hearts. Amen. So allow me paint the picture on your hearts. Amen. Are we together? He said, look, look, look. Graphically, it was clear that Jesus died. There are certain things that happen within you and it alters how you respond to things. It affects how you respond to circumstances. It, you're not trying to respond in a certain way. You know, there's a place in God where you're learning God's word and you're trying to act what you are learning. There's a place where you've become, hallelujah. Are you understanding? You're not trying to act something. That's who you are. Those, your responses are like reflexes now. Are you understanding me? And what makes that happen is when this understanding of his death, burial, and resurrection is clear to you. I want to show you a scripture in Romans 5.10. In Romans chapter 5 verse 10, it tried to explain to us that there's a difference between what his death did and his resurrection did. He said, King James please. He said, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. That means that we were reconciled by his death. 
much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now he's trying to tell us this is what the death accomplished. How much more will his life? Amen. Are you with me? So he's trying to explain something. There's another scripture in Romans 4, verse 25. Now this is not my, in my text, just trying to help to build before we get into what we have. In Romans 4, 25, look at what he said. He said, talking about Jesus, he said Jesus was delivered. That delivered means he was given up. Alright? For what? For our offenses. But when it came to our justification, he was raised again for us to have justification. Amen. In essence, he's telling you that there's a difference between what the death achieved and what the resurrection achieved. Am I communicating? So today, I want to show you the seven meanings of his death. The seven things his death achieved, accomplished, or perhaps the significance of the death in seven ways. Amen. It's not enough for you to just hear that Jesus died for your sins. You know, the, you hear the word crucifixion. Jesus died, he was crucified. Glory to God, that's the language used. Crucified. I don't know of any other place where that kind of language was used. And crucifixion is not just death. Crucifixion is the process. Are you understanding me? It's the whole process. From when they captured him, tortured him, are you understanding me? Carried him around up to when they killed him. The killing itself is not the crucifixion. Crucifixion is the killing plus all they did to him. Are you understanding me? Now the point is this. Long before Jesus showed up, the prophecy had been given about his death. And his death had been described in scripture. The death was described figuratively. His death was described symbolically. His death was mentioned literally. Are you understanding me? Through the prophets. Through the law. Through the Psalms. And that's why Jesus couldn't die any other way. He didn't die by firing squad. Amen. If he had died by firing squad, then it would not be consistent with scripture. Are we together? You know, in, in, in Isaiah 52, the two verses, the two last verses, before you enter Isaiah 53, who says, who had believed that report, he talked about, he said, his visage was so mad, more than any man. That means this is how you will identify him. Glory to God. This is how you will identify him. He was talking about the crucifixion process. What was going to happen? And there were several Psalms of Christ that explained, told us what exactly will happen. Psalm 22 gives us a picture of what, how he was going to die. The suffering. Now, understand something about crucifixion. The aim of crucifixion is not just to kill the person. The aim of crucifixion is to make sure that you exact maximum pain anguish before the person dies. It's a process of allowing life ebb out of someone slowly. So they were gradually draining life from him. Amen. They were not just after, after killing him. They just, there are faster ways to kill. The prophecy had already said that he will make his grave with the rich. And the wicked in his death. Are you understanding me? So we saw the rich, Joseph the Arimathea. We saw the wicked, amen. The two guys by the, uh, um, the two criminals on the cross. Are you understanding me? Telling you clearly how he was going to die. 
So now, what did the death mean? Glory to God. If I don't finish it, let it be that I mentioned it. There are seven things that death means. Number one, the death is a demonstration. Amen. You could write that down. Maybe you help me with the spellings because some of the things I'm going to say maybe they're not what you use every day. Number two, the death is an expiation. E-X-P-I-A-T-I-O-N. I will explain. Number three, the death is a propitiation. Number four, the death is a reconciliation. Number five, the death is a substitution. Number six, the death is an abolition. Number seven, the death is an inauguration. Now, did you get that? You got it? Now, this is what the death is. Amen. Okay? You got it? So, if they could put it up so it will help everybody. If, let me see what you got. Demonstration, expiation, propitiation, reconciliation, substitution, Abolition, inauguration. Now let's start. You got it. One, two, three. Propitiation is a T, P I T, not C. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All right. You got that? Now, the death of Christ. Number one, Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrated. Give me NIV. NIV, not King James. NIV. NIV. I know you're copying this. Okay, let me just wait for you. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. All right, put it back. Put it back. Let them copy it. Amen. Some of you are the reason why some teachers don't to finish their course curriculum in a term or a semester. No matter what you're going through, he'll fix it up for you. He knows just word to do and someone's thought just came to me i wonder how it's going to work no matter what you're going through he'll fix it up for you he knows just word to do one more time no matter what you're going through He'll fix it up for you. He knows just what to do. 
Maybe I should take it from the beginning. Jesus is everywhere. Jesus, he really cares. No matter what you're going through, he'll fix it up for you. He knows just what to do. No matter what you're going through, one more time. No matter what you're going through, He'll fix it up for you. He knows just what to do. Thank you. His death is a demonstration. God commanded his love towards us. King James says that while we were yet sinners, he died for our sins. The NIV says God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His death was a demonstration of his love for you. A statement Jesus made in John 15 verse 13, he said, there's no greater love that a man can show to his friend than to lay down his life. That means in human relationships, there's no other way to express love more than death. Are you with me? Greater love had no man than this. That means there's nothing, you, there's no other demonstration of love that is greater than that. You can enter under the rain for somebody. You can decide not to eat for somebody. All those could be demonstrated, but the greatest of them is to die. Jesus died for you. The reason he died, the meaning of his death is to show you how much he loves you. He was demonstrating his love in death. That's why the scripture said, for God so loved the world, so loved. I feel that the communication that the Spirit of God was trying to pass across in that scripture, um, the, uh, the appropriate words were not, were not there to fix it there. It almost started using pidgin. You know how we say in Nigeria, how far is the place? It's very far. Because you can't quantify it. Say, how long have you waited? He don't take. You know, that's how we talk. So this is how John 3.16 was saying, God so loved. Amen. He couldn't quantify the love. Glory to God. Because in human terms, there is no measure. Hallelujah. There's nothing that can contain it. So he said, God so loved. Now we know that people have died for people. True. Romeo and Juliet. Some of you are Romeos here. Some of you are Juliet here. But the phenomenal thing about God's love is that he died for us when we were undeserving. Romans 5, we just read. He said, 
while we were yet sinners. While you were yet a sinner. Amen. He didn't die after you made up your mind to change. He didn't die because you promised that you're going to change. No. He died. Lift your hands and say, Christ died for me. His death is a demonstration of his love for me. Say again, his death is a demonstration of his love for me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The second thing is that the death is an expiation. The word expiation is used in the context of removal of sin and guilt. His death removed sin and guilt. Hallelujah. John 1.29 When John the Baptist saw Jesus coming. You know, some people think John the Baptist was a Baptist. So they think there's a John the Baptist and John the Methodist. When John saw Jesus coming to him, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, hallelujah, which taketh away, hallelujah. Hi. Everybody say, Take it away. Say, Take it away. The sin. Of the world. Not the sin of the Jew. The sin of the world. Glory to God. Now let me explain what it means. The removal of sin. We are made to understand that. Let me quote the popular verse of scripture that you all know. Romans 3.23. For all. Hallelujah. Have they changed it? All. Did he say some? And some people, that's their favorite scripture. They're standing on it. Amen. Glory to God. They're standing on the all sin, all have sin part. They're not standing on the other side. Amen. Glory to God. He said, for all have sinned. Glory to God. And come short of the glory of God. That means that sin was a hindrance. Are you, are you with me? Sin was a hindrance. Because of sin, man was limited in glory in expression of glory it's not that there was no glory at all he was limited in the expression of glory but now because of what Jesus has done for us hallelujah we are limitless in expression of glory are you getting the picture here but that's not where we're going to but focus is what the death did for you apart from the death demonstrating his love the death took away your sin that means that the hindrance has been addressed in Isaiah 59 verse 1 and 2 um, Isaiah 59 1 and 2 we just run fast it says something very powerful there God was speaking he said behold the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear then he told you the reason why it doesn't look like he's hearing or saving but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear Jesus came and took away the sin 
so that he can save and he can hear. Amen. Are you seeing that? So his death was an expiation. It came to take away your sin and guilt. Just, I would have stopped, but a thought just popped up. So let me help you. You see, in Hebrews 4, 10, verse 4, then read down to 11. Just give me 4 and 11. Hebrews 10, verse 4, he was talking about the sacrifice of old. He said, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. That means that what they were doing before did not take away sin. No, it didn't take it away. It covered it. Are you listening to me? It covered it. It didn't take it away. Verse 11. He now says, Every priest standard daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never, <laughs> amen, even if they did the sacrifices till tomorrow, it will never take away sins. Did you get that? But there was a lamb that came, amen. Are you understanding me? The lamb came to take away. Glory to God. He came to take away what the sacrifices could not take away. And I'm glad to announce that because he died, it has been taken away. <laughs> Hebrews 9.26. Hebrews 9.26. Put it up. Hebrews 9.26. Now, in Hebrews 9.26, it says, For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world had he, Jesus, appeared to put away, hallelujah, sin. By what? By the sacrifice of himself. Tap your number say he has put away sin. Say he has put away sin. His death has demonstrated his love. His death has taken away my sin and guilt. That's why the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation. Amen. Because the hindrance has been taken away. The death took the hindrance away. Someone say loud amen. amen. Glory to God. His death also is a propitiation. It was not enough that sin and guilt was taken away. Propitiation is not simply a sacrifice that removes um, just sin, but it takes away the wrath. Hallelujah. That means that it, the propitiation means that he has also taken away the anger. His death took the anger of God. Amen. Now, the thing that is making you do wrong might have been dealt with. But the person might still be offended with you. Are you understanding me? Now, his death is a propitiation. There are two sides to the propitiation. The first side is that it has removed God's anger. Hallelujah. The second side is that it has brought you into a favor. Amen. Are you understanding me? So, see, the propitiation has removed the wrath. You know, there's a scripture we were quoting one time where the Bible says that he had not appointed us to wrath. Hallelujah. We have not been appointed to wrath. Why? Because his death is a propitiation. So he has gained favor for us in the presence of the Father. Amen. Lift your hand and say, because of his death, God is no more angry with me. Because of his death, God is pleased with me. I'll just give you two scriptures. First, John chapter 2, verse 2, and um, maybe Romans 3.25, if you're writing down. In first John 2, 2, it says, And he, Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins. 
and not for us only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Amen. It's for the sins of what? The whole world. Say his death is a propitiation. My sins have been forgiven. God is not angry with me. And he will never be angry with me. Say loud, amen. amen. So his death was a demonstration of his love. His death was an expiation of our sins. His death is a propitiation that brought us into favor. And his death is a reconciliation. Amen. His death is a reconciliation. Romans chapter 5 verse 10. I read it earlier. It says there, for if when we were enemies. Romans 5.10. If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. How? By the death of his son. That means what the death did is that he reconciled us. God has no qualms with me. Amen. We've been reconciled. Say we've been reconciled. So his death reconciled us. Glory to God. Let me read one more scripture. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18. I'll read into 19. And all things are of God who had reconciled us. He's not about to. He has reconciled us to himself. How? By Jesus Christ. And had given to us what? The ministry of reconciliation. Just add 19. You know, it says to we that God was in Christ. When Jesus was on that cross, God was in Christ in death, reconciling the world unto himself. So his death was a reconciliation. Say his death was a reconciliation. Are you getting it? Now lift your hand and say, because of his death, I can see how much he loves me. Because of his death, my sins were removed. Because of his death, the anger of God has been taken away. I've been brought into favor with God. Because of his death, I'm reconciled with God. I am at peace with God. I have no qualms with God. And God has no qualms with me. A.K.A. God has no wahala with me. Amen. Someone shout a loud amen. amen. Number five. Death is a substitution. I'll read two scriptures quickly. 2 Corinthians 5.21 And the second one will be I have several scriptures so I just have to pick a few because of time. 2 Corinthians 5.21 Look at it. For he had made Jesus to be seen for us. That means when he was on that cross he took your place. Who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That means that his death was a substitution. That was what was supposed to happen to you. You were supposed to die. Amen. He died in your place. You were supposed to be punished. He was punished in your place. You were supposed to suffer. He suffered in your place. You were supposed to be sick. He was sick in your place. If that substitution has happened, you don't have to suffer anymore. You don't have to be sick anymore. You don't have to be separated from God anymore. Because Jesus, in his death, his death was a substitution. Say, his death was a substitution. Say, he took my place. And I took his place. Say loud, amen. Are we together? I want to read one more scripture. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6. Thank you. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. For Jesus to be our substitute, he had to be a man. Hallelujah. The man, Christ Jesus. Now look at verse 6. Let's read together. I want to go. 
who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. That means he said, take me instead. Amen. I said, he said, take me instead. God was furious. God was furious. He wanted to pour out his anger. He said, let me take it. Amen. And he took it so that God's anger will never come on you. Oh, I love the story um, a, a certain, is a foreign um, comedian was sharing. I've shared it before, you know. And I was so intrigued by the, the story the comedian told. It was a joke he was telling, but in the joke I saw, not that he was saved, but I saw that if uh, an unbelieving comedian could understand the gospel like this, explain it like this, much more us. He said he had tried to read the Bible. And in reading the Bible, he saw like the Bible has two gods. He said there's a God of the Old Testament. And there's a God of the New Testament. That if there are not two gods, then God changed. And I was listening. He said because the Old Testament God was always angry. The Old Testament God was, was short-tempered. That was the description of the Old Testament God. He said, imagine the Old Testament God called Abraham and said, bring your son for barbecue. <laughs> that the Old Testament God didn't seem to know what it means to have a son. But he observed that in the New Testament, the God now had his own son. And he became loving. Because now he had a son. Amen. That's the gospel. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. But the truth is that he was always loving. Jesus came and took the vengeance, the anger that was meant for you. You know, there are some things I used to read on social media where they say that the thunder that will fire you is doing press stops in Sambisa Forest. <laughs> Have you heard it before? Now, the, the judgment that was to fire you, it came on Jesus Christ. Amen. Are you understanding me? It roasted Jesus. That means that God finished his anger on the cross. Are you listening to me? Are you understanding me? All of his vengeance was poured out on Jesus. If you see Jesus, now if you read the scriptures, you read the Psalms, especially Psalm 22. At one point he said his throat was dry. It was like he was burning. It was the wrath of God that came upon him. That's why he cried out, I test. And then they brought vinegar to give him to drink. It's not the weather. It's the vengeance of God upon his soul. Lift your hand and say, he was my substitute. His death is a substitution. He took my place. Amen. Did you get that? Number six, we're making progress. His death is an abolition. Some of you that are good historians will know about when there was slave trade and people were fighting. You have some renowned names. They were fighting to, for the abolition of trade, slave trade. So they were called abolitionists. Those that believed that slave trade should stop. So I preached a message. I, do, I, I remember I preached it in Benin. I titled it Jesus the Abolitionist. Amen. Amen. So his death is an abolition. What do I mean? What, let me first define the word to abolish. 
To abolish means that you are formally putting an end to a system, a practice, or an institution. That's what it means to abolish. You are putting an end to a system, a practice, or an institution. To abolish also means that you are putting an end to something by law. Amen. Alright? I will show you two scriptures. The first one is in 2 Timothy 1 from verse 8 to 10. 2 Timothy 1, 8 to 10. It says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Verse 9. Watch. God who had saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his grace. According to, according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Verse 10. Now, can you follow me? Let's read together. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who had abolished death. Everybody say he has abolished death. And had brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. That means his death was to abolish deaths. Now, the greatest thing, let me give you a definition of death. Death is a separation. Hallelujah. When a man doesn't know God, he's dead. Why? Because he's separated from God. The death of Jesus was a separation from his father. That's why he cried. What was Jesus concerned about? He was not concerned about the flogging. No, 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 no. What he was concerned about was that he was going to be separated from his father. When your sins were laid on Jesus, when my sins were laid on Jesus, remember the scripture says, God is of purer eyes than to behold iniquity. So God turned his face away from Jesus for the first time and the only time. And then Jesus cried and said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That separation happened in his death so that you will not be separated again. Are you understanding me? So, he has abolished, put an end to man being separated from God. Are you understanding me? Yes. So, in his death, he abolished death. But death is not the only thing he abolished. Amen. Are you with me? Are you with me? That's not the only thing he abolished. So, I want to show you one more scripture. Just hold on. The next scripture I'll show to you, um, I have like six, seven scriptures. Let me just pick one that will hit the nail on the head. Let's go to... I must show you too. <laughs> Hebrews 2, verse 14 and 15. Amen. And Colossians 2, 14. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. For, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death, through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Verse 15. And deliver them who through the fear of death. This is not a scripture I'm looking for. Colossians 2, 14. This is still talking about abolition of death. What I want to show you. Bluffing the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way. That means when Jesus was on the cross, the ordinances against us were the law. Amen. Are you understanding me? The ordinances that were written against us, they were abolished in his death. That means that the law 
has been abolished. Amen. His death abolished death and also abolished the law. Amen. Are you with me? It also abolished what? The law. It didn't only abolish death, it also abolished the law. Let me just give you one more scripture. Ephesians 2.15. Ephesians 2.15. Just for the Bible scholars. Amen. Alright. So this one is very clear. Let's read together. I want to go. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. Are you seeing that? So he abolished the law of commandments. Amen. Lift your hand. Say, his death abolished death. His death abolished the law. Let me explain what that means. That Whatever the law is saying against you doesn't hold. Amen. In his death, the law was abolished. The ordinances that were contrary to you have been abolished. Say loud, amen. Do you remember where we started from? His death is a demonstration. Say his death is a demonstration. Of his love for me. His death is an expiation. Of my sins and guilt. Because of his death. My sins have been taken away. His death is a propitiation. It has taken away the anger of God. And brought me into favor with God. His death is a reconciliation. I am now at peace with God. God and me, there is no wahala. His death is a substitution. When he died, he took my place. Now I'm standing in his place. His death is an abolition. Death was abolished. I can never be separated from God. The law was abolished. The law can never judge me. Shout a loud amen. The last one, his death is an inauguration. His death is an inauguration. What do we mean? Hebrews chapter 9. I'll just read verse 16 and 17. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. Verse 17. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator leave it. So, the testament that you are in was inaugurated by his death. Amen. Without his death, the testament will never have started. Amen. Say, the testament was enforced by the death of Jesus. His death is the inauguration of this new testament that has better promises established on better promises is a better covenant say loud amen Amen. glory to god did you get them now i might not have given you all the scriptures but you got the point amen so we'll take it again wave your hand and say i'm blessed now this is the this is what his death is Tomorrow, we're going to be looking at what the burial is. Amen. Are you with me? Now, when you understand this, the way you live will be different. 
when you know that God loves you so much? How else will he show? Is, if he could die for you, is it a BMW he can give to you? Amen. Are you understanding me? Is it an airport he can give to you? Are you listening to me? So you now understand that he has dem- there's no other way he can demonstrate that he loves you. He has shown the greatest demonstration of love by his death. Then you see that what was a hindrance that would have shortened the hand of God, made his ear heavy, has been taken away. You are no more short of the glory. Because in his death, sin was taken away. The Lamb of God came and took away the sin of the world. Now you know also that in his death, there was propitiation. God's anger has been dealt with. It's been removed, taken out of the way. And you've been brought into favor with God. You also know that you are reconciled with God. Never, never, ever to be on the other side anymore. Amen. Are we together? You're reconciled with God. You know that. Then you also know that he took your place. See, there are certain things that are irreversible. Are you understanding me? They're irreversible. What Jesus did for you cannot be reversed. That's why the gifts and callings are without repentance. Are you understanding me? So God is not, yes, he can't even take it back. He can't take it back. Jesus took your place. And you are standing in his place. Jesus took your place. And you are standing in his place. No, no, you don't understand. Your place was a lowly place. He took it. And he gave you a place, his place, by the right hand of the Father. Are you getting, are you getting? All right? So you are seated with him in heavenly places. He took your place, your place of weakness, and gave you his place of strength. He took your place of poverty and gave you his place of wealth. Are you getting the picture? He took your place of, of, of sickness and gave you his place of health and divine healing. He took your place of pain and gave you his place of pleasure. Are you getting the picture? Say he took my place. And I'm standing in his place. He took your place of defeats and gave you his place of victory. Glory to God. You get that? He took your place of failure. Amen. And gave you his place of success. You are his success. You are standing in his place. His place is a place of success. He took your place of despair and gave you a place of hope and expectation. Hallelujah. You are standing in his place. Glory to God. You are in his place of fulfillment in the name of Jesus Christ. Say, I'm in his place. I'm standing in his place. I'm standing in his place. He took your place where you had nothing and he gave you his place where you have everything. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm standing in his place. His place is that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Hallelujah. And the, are you understanding me? The world and all that there dwells therein, they belong to him. Are you with me? He, he, he took your place. Oh, in the world you might have been like an orphan, but he took your place and he gave you an inheritance. You become an heir, an heir, an heir. Why? Because you are standing in his place. Your name might have meant nothing. Oh, when you call your name somewhere, they don't know you. But now you are with his name. Amen. You go everywhere in his name. You sign checks in his name. You call money in his name. Are you understanding me? You have a right, the power of attorney, to take his place. And you are using his name. Glory to God. Glory to God. Are we together? 
Oh, your place was beneath the devil. But now his place is above, 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 above. And you are seated above now. You are no more below. Your place, your place would have been that you were the tail. But now he gave you his place. He is the head. You have become the head. Amen. And you are not the tail. You are above only and not beneath in the name of Jesus Christ. Say he took my place. I'm standing in his place. Tell everybody, I don't know about you. But I'm standing in his place. Glory to God. Your place, your place was a place of heart condition. Your place was a place of HIV, blood infection. Your place a place of SS, sickle anemia. But his place, hey, 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 his place is a place of divine health. Strength, glory to God. Are you getting me? Nothing missing, nothing broken. Glory to God. The shalom of God is at work in your life. Glory to God. Say, he took my place. I'm standing in his place. Glory to God. Glory to God. In your place, there's recession. But in his place, there's abundance. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's his place. I'm standing in his place. I am standing in his place. I'm standing in his place. Oh, in your place, your children might have been wayward. But in his place, his children are taught of the Lord. Hallelujah. And great is their peace. Glory to God. I'm standing in his place. I don't know about you, but I'm standing in this place. I'm standing in this place. Glory to God. I'm standing. Renaissance Assembly is standing in this place. My finances is standing in this place. My bank account is standing in this place. Glory to God. Death is a substitution. Glory to Jesus. There's a testament that has been invoked. His death inaugurated a new testament. It was invoked for me. It was invoked to me. And because of this testament, I have an inheritance. Are you understanding me? The testament is a will, is a will, is a will. Inside of it are the things that belong to me. They belong to me. Hallelujah. And that, that will has been enforced. I have a right to lay claims to what is in that will. Are you understanding me? Oragbolu is inside that will. Makatayabaya. Rumeme is inside that will. In the name of Jesus. Port Harcourt City is inside that wheel. Sweden is inside that wheel. Australia is inside that wheel. The continents of the earth are inside that wheel. Are you getting me? Your new level is inside that wheel. Oh, glory to God. Begin to make a demand on what is in that wheel. Open your mouth now and begin to call forth the things that belong to you in that wheel. Rakatayaba. Zakateya. Meleso protoso. Rakatondo sopretia. Lataye. He died and he rose and he gave me victory. I have victory. He died and he rose and he gave me victory. I have victory. Lift your offerings everywhere. He died and he rose and he gave me victory. I have victory. 
victory. He died, he died, he died. He died, he died. He died and he rose and he gave me victory. I have victory everywhere. I have victory. He died. He died. And rose. And gave me victory. I have victory. I have victory. Two more times. He died. He died. He died. He died. He died. says that I am I can do all the gospels I can do I have all the gospels that I have thank you for listening to this message if you have been blessed you can reach us by email on info at faith faith online.org or call us on 234-806-361-3560 you are big blessed and loaded Taking the message of